free dropped here, no doubt. Yeah, free drop. Whoa, that thing came out sideways. Drove it into the penalty area. Whoa, yeah. Oh, that was a shank. It's hard to believe watching this. It made an unbelievable bogey in the drop zone. All right, folks, Dylan DeChair here, chiming in from Seattle, talking to Sean Zock, who is in rural Wisconsin. Um, but next week, all our energy will be focused on the beautiful mid-sized city of Rochester, New York, home to this year's PGA Championship. Sean, have you ever been to Rochester? I have not been to Rochester, um, but as I understand, it's a mid-sized city. What does that even mean? Uh, I mean, I don't know how to put a number on it, but you probably could put a number on it. I would I would sort of think of mid-sized city as between 200,000 and a million people in the metropolitan area. So Rochester and surroundings. That's kind of like what, what I would... That would be my instinct. So like, you know, trying to think of something that would be bigger. Milwaukee is that yeah, a mid-sized city? That's probably sure. a, that might be a a tiny bit too big. Green Bay would be a mid-sized city. Mm, a great city, in my mind. Mid, hey, mid-sized but full, <laughs> full-hearted. I don't know, full-bellied. Um. Anyway, Sean, the point of this podcast is we've arrived at the second major of the year, which means there's a lot at stake. More for some than for others, but I think that what I just wanted to get into and, and how I want to guide our conversation is specifically what people have on the table, what they have to gain, what they have to lose, who has the most of it. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's good. I think the reason why we have to set the stakes is because 10 years from now, we are going to look back on this major in the same way we are currently looking back on the 2013 PGA which was won by Jason Duffner, triumphing over Jim Furyk. And it's possible that whoever wins this week will be looked at in the same way, which is like, wait, what? Who won the PGA? Wait, who did Jason Duffner beat? Wait, what was his winning score at Oak Hill? Uh, what was that golf course like? Like this course has hosted so many major, major big time events and actually has a, you know, a pretty outstanding list of of champions from the 60s 70s and 80s but then it kind of gets weird like chad campbell won the 03 pga championship uh or no excuse me chad campbell lost to sean McKeel at the 03 pga and then furick lost to duffner it just it hasn't quite been as much of a i don't know a thoroughbred uh producing golf course but it's all different now they took out all kinds of trees so anyway that's why we set the stakes is because uh it has the potential obviously to get weird but it also has the potential to be the second leg in john Gr john rom's calendar grand slam so it's funny we at. yeah i mean when you look at the list of guys that have won majors the last several years like it is it really is thoroughbreds like it is it is battle-tested guys. I'm still a little bit confused about why that is. I guess there's just a, I don't know, because people always say, oh, yeah, there's so many good golfers. Anyone could win these things. But it's not happening the way it used to, where, yeah, we had that stretch of Todd Hamilton, Sean McKeel, Ben Curtis, you know, Rich Beam, a bunch of guys that that were not, otherwise hall of famers winning 
majors within a couple of years. Now it's like if it's someone outside the top 20 in the world, you're you're pretty shocked. Um, and I, I'm guessing that this week we will see some studs emerge. Of course, we almost had a Mito Pereira <laughs> major championship last year. God, we were close. We were close to that. Instead, JT, and it looks a lot different. Jimmy Walker was one of the most recent semi-obscure uh, winners. That was the PGA in 2016. But I, I would be a little bit surprised if we're not seeing a, some kind of big-time hoss at the end of this week, right? Big-time hoss. What's funny, though, is that like Duffner was in the teens uh, in terms of his world ranking, I believe, before he won, kind mm-hmm. of validated his place. And then he goes on to play on Ryder Cup teams, but then just kind of like slowly but surely sinks away from the top 15. Uh, Keegan Bradley, you could say the same for him when he won his PGA Championship. He's kind of slowly but surely backing away from being a top 10, top 15 player. I know it feels slanderous to you to bring up Keegan Bradley's name, but it's true. Like sometimes guys have won these these majors and then receded into something lesser. Um, Rory McIlroy, 2014 PGA, same totally, type of deal. Totally. So anyway, um, we're going to get into it. I think someone who has the potential to be a bright shining light and then maybe fade is Wyndham Clark. Wow. He <laughs> In the sense that you think he's got a lot more to give or you're like saying, wow, he's already peaked. No, I think that he is the hot hand right now. Data Golf yeah. ranks him as the 10th best golfer on the planet playing as the 10th best golfer in the world. And it just feels like his star is shining brightest right before it fades. And um, that sounds mean. It, it feels mean, but this happens. And so I could see Wyndham Clark top fiving it because he's hot, because he's the hot hand. He just won in Charlotte and uh, playing at a golf course that is can't be all too different than uh, Quail Hollow, kind of big, beefy, uh, parkland treeland golf course um give me Wyndham clark for a top 10 bet and then um give me Wyndham clark to be outside the top 50 in two years oh my god this that's is like the a, that's the parlay that's quite the parlay here <laughs> you're like you're kind of gassing him up and then also really taking him down <laughs> at the same time i mean i think if you look at Wyndham clark and I think his ideal comp would be, you know, someone like Max Homa, right? Like a slightly later bloomer. But when you look at him, he, he's got all the physical skills, seems to have all the all the mental skills really hung in there this past weekend. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could – I guess I could see both of those things happening. I'd like to see him play well this week. can't believe he won by four. And he yeah. beat third by seven. Threw down. Um, all right, so you're saying he has a lot to he has a lot to gain still. Is that your point there? He's a ton to gain. Uh, there's such a huge difference between being a PJ Tour winner and being a major champion. And so you know you could put anyone in that department. Um, but <clears throat> when I think of what Duffner did in 2013, I just it reminds me of maybe a player of Wyndham Clark's level. Um, yeah. So. Let's talk about bigger names. Sorry to deter us right away towards the Wyndham Clark fans. No, um, no. I mean, <clears throat> I I want to talk about someone that that the last time he played the PGA Championship 
he won. There are actually two of those people, I believe, playing in this week's field. One of them is Justin Thomas. We can get to him. The other one is Phil Mickelson, who did not defend his title last year. I don't know if you could make the argument that he's defending it this year, but I think I think you can. In my mind, based off how he played at the Masters, Phil is in a pretty enviable position this week in the sense that he has, you know, everything to gain. He proved that he can hang with some of the best golfers in the world in a major championship setting. And now if he doesn't do anything this week, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, remember I still won this thing two years ago and I finished second at the Masters a a month ago. And if he does play well, then it, you know, the the chesty guy we've been seeing on Twitter the last few weeks um, just has more and more ammo. Yeah, I think he actually has a lot to lose because uh, Phil's going to be able to contend, you know, and shoot mid-60s rounds at Augusta for another couple years. You could see him shoot 65 at age 55. That's what I think Phil Mickelson's capable of. Um, but when it comes to moving forward the rest of this year, Phil's been talking that shit on Twitter. And so like, if he wants to continue doing that, the people who are allowed to do that are people who back it up. He has not like proven that he can back it up at other major championships since Kiowa like if we think about the the majors that he played the rest of that 2021 year there's a reason why he wasn't on that Ryder Cup team as a major champion it's because he stopped playing well in majors and pretty much stopped playing well period so um you know he told us at Augusta I'm gonna I'm about to go on a run um what does that mean does that mean finishing you know high at Augusta and then finishing middle of the pack at live and then finishing right around the cut line at uh in Rochester that, that might be it for Phil. That might be what runs are. Um, so I think he actually has a, a decent amount to lose because he's been talking that shit and he's put himself in this position. Uh, I don't know if he'll if he'll do a whole lot of press time before the PGA Championship. He's There's this duality to his communications lately, which are talking that shit on Twitter and then being really cordial in front of the press in real life. Um, does that come crashing down this week? I don't know. I don't anticipate that, but um, if he misses the cut, you know, there's only going to be more people kind of giving him a little bit of barb on Twitter. Um, so I think Phil has a lot to gain, but it just doesn't feel realistic that he would gain everything uh, as much as he could probably lose a lot too. It is funny. Yeah. And Phil's last public appearance, maybe, it, I guess it must've been live a couple weeks ago. He was really taking a more conciliatory tone. Of like, oh, yeah, the world ranking, you know, look, they're going to sort it out. They're going to figure out a way. Now, this week, it's like he's, I guess he's going to bat for his guide, Cameron Tringali. But he's just coming at Mike Wan. He, he's talking about collusion and the PGA Championship and the PGA Tour. And, you know, as always with Phil, he's sort of seizing on a kernel of something that where he has a point and then sort of extending it probably passed its logical conclusion. The PGA Championship doesn't necessarily do itself any favors by having this like mysterious uh, list that they pluck players from to fill out their field. Um, yeah, you know, do, it's based do you think on, you were on the list? Well, I, I mean, not high on it. 
somewhere probably, on it though. Probably not low on it either. It, I don't think I was on the list. Is is Phil at one hundred to one? Tempting, fair, unfair. Um, I I don't feel tempted by it. Wow. Do you? The guy who just finished second to one player at the Masters. 100 to 1. Yeah, I think it's still sort of embedded in my mind that Phil is not going to be a reliable driver of the golf ball. And I know at Kiowa, he, he bucked that trend. He played awesome. But... I get the sense you're going to need a little more precision off the tee this week. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that he'll have that. All right. Are you tempted? You sound a little more intrigued by that number. Yeah. Well, there's just a lot of guys that are playing pretty decent golf that are in the 100 to 125 to one range, which mm-hmm. only one person can win. And as we've discussed, kind of thoroughbreds are winning these major championships. But you can grab Phil on a top 10 bet, a top 20 bet. Matt Kuchar on a top 20 bet is going to pay out. Homie's playing really good golf. And uh, as much as we may not love it as far as FedEx Cup points go, you can make some money on Matt Kuchar and Phil on these top 10, top 20 bets. Um, One point I wanted to get across is that this major championship is kind of the first one of the new world. And what I mean is that guys like Sergio are not involved. Bubba Watson is not involved. Henrik Stenson, not involved. Uh, Lee Westwood and Poulter were not at the masters, but Bubba and Sergio, they were, they were all at the masters. Stenson was at the masters. And I think that like just visual of not having these guys involved really draws the line further in the sand of what our future looks like. Um, that's why Phil starts yelling about collusion is because he's trying to get as many live golfers into these major championships as possible. He thinks the USGA is colluding with the PGA tour against Taylor Gooch, the guy who has won a couple lived golf tournaments in a row. Um, Phil went to bat tweeting about, like you said, Cameron Tringale and raving about him and his hard work and stuff. I'm like, Phil, just because you work hard and you add swing speed doesn't get you into major championships. Uh, so it it's weird. This is kind of the start of the real weird era because it's uh, – Liv has so many former Masters champions and uh, the, the Masters doesn't look nearly as different as the PGA, USGA – and the uh, the opens look. Yeah, you're totally right. It's the, it's the Masters thing that, you know, that Liv almost felt overrepresented at the Masters just relative to, like, our expectations for majors because they got so many green jacket winners. But we are very rapidly going to see fewer Liv guys. I, I don't actually have a full grasp on where the OWGR is, like, when they are going to actually settle Liv's case and also if Liv is going to have to make adjustments to get in there but I don't know we shouldn't underestimate ever how quickly we can like forget about the guys that are not right in front of our faces because um, Bryson DeChambeau will continue to play majors but like he's an example of a guy that was 
on top of the golf world's collective consciousness. And then once we stopped kind of seeing him and hearing from him week in, week out, I think just totally fell off people's radar. And that happened very quickly. And Scotty Scheffler, you know, 18 months ago had not won on the PGA Tour. And now he is very established as one of the two best golfers in the world. Like these things happen quickly. Yeah. Um, and there are it. some transcendent names like Phil Mickelson. But again, it's like he he had to keep inserting himself in the news. And to his credit, he did here at the at the PGA in 2021 and then at the Masters earlier this year. So it's people going forget. to look different. Dylan, people, people forget, forget that what do they forget? Uh, Phil was not going to be in the 2021 U.S. Open. Mm, yes. People forget that. He was not qualified for the U.S. Open until he won a month earlier at Keough Island. That's how close he was to becoming irrelevant. Uh, I think Phil probably got paid, probably, you know, if we're guessing, guesstimating, he probably added another $50 million to his uh, buy-in at at live his appearance fee when he won at Kiowa Phil was on the brink of becoming irrelevant in a lot of ways one and then cashed in on all of it and became relevant in so many uh uh villainous ways right uh and so that's what that's what a lot of these guys are in a, at a point of inflection in terms of their relevance um relevance to this championship if you were to choose five guys to win this tournament, you could choose only five from the field. Is Brooks Kepka one of those five? Wow, that's such a great question. God, that's a good question. Um, all right, if I'm choosing guys, regardless of odds or value or whatever, just straight up five guys, you got to have Rahm and Scheffler. You have to. I think he is. Yeah. I think he's in that five slot for me behind Rory, Xander, and I think Brooks is fifth. You I think, think Rory, you, you, you're taking Rory over Brooks? Look, Rory is uh, understandably has been <laughs> left for dead. I mean, his appearance at Quail Hollow was – uh, perfectly summarized by his last five holes where he hit three balls in the water and really just extended his Masters. It felt like he was on full tilt in the second round of the Masters when he went on to miss the cut there. And it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was almost just like an out of control style of play. He just got frustrated and then got more frustrated. And that continued at Quail Hollow. I don't know. I could see us getting some sort of reset. And if he's, if he shoots 67 on Thursday and is in the mix midway through Friday, I feel like everyone will be like, huh? Oh yeah. Why'd we, why'd we count this guy out again? He's a freaking member at Oak Hill. His, his game was made for this style of golf. So yeah, I, I don't think he's certainly in the conversation with Rahm and Scheffler as far as outright favorites, but yeah, I think he's still like appropriately considered in that third slot. I think Brooks trails Rom, Scheffler, Finau, and nobody else. Wow. In terms of, in terms of just uh, people that you would expect to win this tournament. Um, I had Spieth up there, but unfortunately, Spieth is hurt. He had to pull out of the Byron Nelson, and I think Jordan winning a golf tournament 
there have there have to be like no added variables that can that can screw with him and this is just an added variable that did not look good uh the last time he played golf missed the cut um and uh he's got enough going on in his swing that he battles that adding a uh, a little wrist issue i would expect honestly i would expect jordan to miss the cut before i expect him to to contend um, so he's dropped out, and Finau, as we've discussed, is uh, he's becoming the best golfer that he has ever been. Um, so he's up there, but Brooks Brooks speaks for himself. I think uh, his his recent performances, which, like, frankly, it's hard to compare apples and oranges, but probably should have or could have won the Masters, and then has won a live event and nearly won another live event and is just kind of on cruise control until he arrives in Rochester. And then he goes into Brooks control. And that's like just a beast that has literally won two of the last. What? What is it? Two of the last five, five PGAs. Yeah. 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 Two of the last five. So give me Brooks, honestly, um, before so many people, because that's who he is. And what's funny is that the odds follow that he's 20 to one. There's only a couple guys with with uh, shorter odds than that. Yeah, I mean, so just to be clear, that means you're taking Brooks over over defending champ JT, over Xander, over Cantley, over Morikawa, over Cameron Young, who I think actually is in, intriguing. He grew up just down the street in the Bronx, so this should be kind of a home game for him. I th- I think um, I am, man. Like at some point, we when we want to see whether or not guys can actually get it done it's like well have they done it before that's where i want to put my marbles yeah and i think every year at the masters we have that reckoning of like and but we had it especially this year oh yeah brooks kepka is actually healthy now he still has whatever that is inside of him where he gets up for a major championship there is this other part of it there still is this other element, and we'll see if this is something we're talking about next week at the conclusion of the tournament. The fact that he has not been closing out on Sundays when he's been in position at majors recently, um, but the fact that he seems likely to get himself there is is certainly enough to put him in that conversation. And maybe getting in the fire at the Masters was enough to, I don't know, Maybe he can draw on that experience a little bit if he gets there again. Um, Sean, do you think do you think that the PGA Tour has more to gain or more to lose in terms of its general standing in the world at this PGA Championship? Obviously, it is not running the event, but in terms of the performances of its top players compared to Live, I think it has more to lose. Because in the world in which a live golfer wins this tournament, this is kind of the, the real meat of the live season, right? It gets a little bit uh, more sporadic on the schedule, the live events that come and go in July and August. But May and June are, are going to have a lot of live tournaments. And the kind of hype that you can create uh, for viewers between majors is what Liv is going to feed off of. And so the PGA Tour can lose as a result of Liv's gain. Um, if Cameron Smith wins 
the PGA Championship or DJ, um, you're gonna t- you're gonna see all of those guys go to uh, DC for the next live event, right? And that's in the same time zone as the Rocket Mortgage Classic. I think it'll be played the same exact week. And then there's gonna be other live events that uh, collide around the same time as these PGA Tour events. And you're basically you're you're doing a, a, a ratings fight. How many people can you have? catching up with your golfers on Sunday afternoons during these non-major weeks. Um, and I think that that's just a, that's a battle that Liv is really keen to try to carve out a little bit of, a little bit of the ratings game. And so you can earn that by having as much attention as you get during major weeks. So it's like, it's not like for the PGA tour to lose as much as it is for Liv to gain. Um, but if, if 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 something goes crazy where you like you have what Brooks and Phil did at Augusta, then it just feels further and further like we're moving towards um, coexistence, true coexistence, and um, the PJ Tour is a an actual competitor to live rather than something that kind of dwarfs it. And um, if the opposite of that happens, if it's a full PJ Tour show and no live guys finish in the top ten. It just feels like a. It feels like one tour is tour A and the other is tour maybe B or C. Um, so these are the these are the weeks in which that's a battleground. Yeah, there's no other yeah. weeks where that matters. It's an opportunity for both tours, right? But I think because the PJ Tour is so dominant in terms of the number of players it'll have there, and also, you know, its general stature in the world, I think it probably has. Probably has a higher threshold um, just those higher expectations probably means that live has an opportunity more so than the PGA tour does like the, the bar the PGA tour has to clear is like you said, essentially like keeping any live guys out of contention. And it feels pretty likely that at least, you know, someone, whether it's Brooks or DJ or Cam Smith or Joaquin Neiman or Abraham answer, any of these 18 guys, at least a couple will be in the conversation on the weekend. Um, where for Liv, it's a huge win that they can crow about if one of their guys wins, or even if a few of their guys contend. Like that, it just feels like a lower bar that they will have to clear uh, to consider it a victory. So, yeah, I think that I think it represents more of an opportunity for them, um, where the PGA Tour has a little bit more to lose. The uh, the other musing I have, Dylan, is that people who like Oak Hill, I don't know if there's like an Oak Hill fan group out there, but people who like this type of golf, um, I've, I've got bad news for you. You're just not going to see Oak Hill hosting a PGA championship probably in the future. I don't want to be that declarative and Whoa. say that it's impossible because Why it looks that? like there will be decent weather next week. But these these northern courses – are just going to struggle to have their course in tip-top shape for a mid-May PGA Championship year after year after year. Like Whistling Straits in Wisconsin will not host this major championship. Hazeltine in Minnesota has hosted the PGA numerous times. They will not host this championship. Um, and I think you can throw Ro- uh, Rochester and Oak Hill into the exact same bucket, for better or for worse. Even if you guys get good weather there next week, it just – it will not be the place that the PGA champ uh, of America can 
confidently bring its May championship. It can bring the the women's PGA probably. You get a couple more weeks. It can bring the Ryder Cup there potentially. That's in September. Uh, but the calendar just doesn't doesn't help it. Doesn't help places like this. Yeah. So enjoy it while you can. Wait, what's wrong with a little frosty, soggy potential May PGA? Temps keep rising, Sean. You know. I think I think the only thing that is the real risk is if something happens in April that you get a freeze. Yeah. Like this this is this was no, a No, you're good right. Year. It could be a big snowfall <clears throat> or a big frost and, and you get that lake effect and who knows what could happen. But I'm yeah. not talking about like week of as much as I'm talking about late April. Oh crap. Like our greens are not in shape to host the best golfers on the planet. Because that's when chaos ensues. That's when you have what happened at Chambers Bay where you had some uh, grasses just torque Billy Horschel into a frenzy. That's what you try to avoid. I will say, um, you know, credit to Andrew Green and his team uh, who oversaw the the restoration, I guess, of Oak Hill and – like last year with Southern Hills, initially when the site was announced, it was kind of kind of an eye roll for me. Like, oh man, this place again, there's no real defining anything to it. But, you know, after reading about it, after looking at it, Fried Egg made a great video highlighting some of these changes. The drone footage from Oak Hill looks cool. It seems like they've restored it in a lot of cool ways. These greens have fascinating shapes to them. They're not just... There's a lot of changes that have been made to to um, differentiate it from any old difficult, you know, U.S. Open style Parkland U.S. golf course to more open, more strategic, interesting runoffs, uh, really interesting bunkering, kind of brutal bunkering. So, yeah, I'm definitely a lot more excited about the course now than I was when they first announced it or even, you know, I somewhat randomly played Oak Hill, like, yeah, I mean, now a little over 10 years ago. And I think that the golf course that they're going to be playing this year is going to be um, a lot more dynamic than the one I played. Good. You have me excited to watch it. Um, you will be there. I will be there. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of coverage. ESPN on Thursday and Friday is showing every showing the first tee shot and the last putt. So you will be able to watch the whole PGA championship. You can get all kinds of involved. Um, is there anyone else that has, so I guess, I guess maybe ESPN has really only stuff to gain, I guess. They're bringing in a few new voices. I saw Hunter Mahan is doing Sirius XM. Uh, Wesley Bryan is doing some featured group stuff, I think for ESPN. And no laying up is doing their own accompanying, um, live stream show i'm curious if people are going to watch that changes afoot sean yeah uh i'll be watching a lot of it from uh from my computer i'm staying home for a wedding so you guys won't you won't get sean zock live coverage which we all know is worth way more than espn plus are the bride and groom zonies uh it uh, the at heart for sure the, the, yeah. the groom for if sure not is. in reality <laughs> yeah um, uh, 
All right. Do you want to run me through? Like, do you have a do you have a vibe? Do you have some picks? Do you have some some guys <clears throat> you'd consider advising people to invest on? Do you feel um, confident? Tommy Fleetwood feels incapable of winning right now. However, he's playing really really good golf, and so these are just, he's a top ten bet placement for sure. Say the exact same thing for Ricky Fowler. Um, I don't I don't know why. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton can't contend, like truly contend in majors, but he's fifty to one. Uh, I, I think I would maybe bet on him to win because at some point he's, I mean, he's playing top ten worthy golf. He has my eye. Um, Sung J M thirty to one. It feels funny because we end up just kind of like whenever you, when you ever you go to bet on these majors now, you kind of avoid Rom, you avoid Scheffler. They're both around seven to one. You're not going to get much payout there. And you scroll a little bit, and you really do have a bunch of guys that are playing fantastic golf beneath them. Uh, and Sung Jae is one of them. Data Golf ranks him as a top ten golfer. He's on the come up right now. I know you like Sung Jae. You always watch Sung Jae. Yeah, I like Sung Jae. I mean, it feels like he's gonna. I it feels like he's gonna be a Masters champ. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily his week to win, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if he's around there. I mean, as always, I'm obviously going to get a little bit involved in, in some Xander Shoffley stock. Um, he is trending very much in the right direction after that quail hollow win. And he is just, it seems like until he wins one of these things, he will be stuck in that, you know, between 16 and 22 to one in that zone as long as he keeps playing well without winning um he and patrick Cantley, i think the the sports books have just stopped trying to even bother differentiating between the two of them <laughs> i think that they are just considered the same golfer um so i would definitely like him i'm excited to see jt chip around these greens and and show off some short game sauce maybe excited to watch what patrick reed gets up to could be some intriguing stuff for a, a short game wizard like him too um yeah cameron young i was sort of joking earlier but i think he actually would be an interesting fit it, it's going to be i think there could be some similarity between this leaderboard and some guys from last year um matt fitzpatrick obviously rounding into form could be a guy that will get back in the mix too dustin johnson to me feels like actually i'm not not convinced that he's going to play that well this week, but he's just an interesting, he's a guy I'm interested to see how he does because if he doesn't play well, it's kind of like, what's up with this guy? Yeah. I'm yeah. worried about DJ. Not in, uh, not in the sense that he should be worried. Cause I don't think he quite cares too much, but he is, he's really dropped off in terms of, he, he spent 15 plus years as a top 20 golfer in the world like that's where he has been and it just feels weird to see him as something less than that it it doesn't doesn't totally make sense um his skill set is so immense that feels like he can shoot 62 on any single day um but father time comes for everyone eventually and maybe we should have worried about a guy like Dustin, when when we were saying like, ah, guys like Brooks, they'll never have to practice anymore. You know, they're taking the money. Uh, Brooks seemed like deeply offended by that. And I almost feel like DJ was maybe the most uh, susceptible to that <laughs> for someone who got such a big paycheck. Absolutely loves going out on the boat. 
<laughs> you know, his his skill set being a good ball striker and a fantastic driver is not something that you can maintain over everyone forever. And maybe that's what we're seeing in DJ right now. Seamus Power is one of those names that when you look further down the board, he jumps out as someone that has risen to the occasion at majors, played his first majors ever last year and had a, a, a couple top 15s. I think he finished T9 at last year's PGA. So I think he'd be worth a sprinkle for contention, top 20, top 10. Adam Scott, I'm waiting for him to show me something. I I assume Stevie Williams is coming in for the major and I'm waiting for that to pay off. And I hope that that means contention uh, this week. No guarantee that it will. I like him at the, the open. Do you think maybe Stevie's got like a whip? Too. Like a whip that he can kind of like pull out if he needs to and just kind of give Adam a nice little crack on the side. Did you watch the Kentucky Derby last week? No. No. Well, you know, it's a fine line between – between well this year especially there were actually some some equine deaths involved in the weeks and i don't really <laughs> want to get too far into that debate but in terms of the horses themselves we're watching and thinking yeah i think the horses want to win but how much pain do they want to go through to get there i think that's a question all these guys are asking themselves and maybe adam scott and stevie williams that might be one that they are especially going to have to confront um so yeah i don't know i think that i think that those are some of the names i'm looking at sean i mean the 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 combo name of cam davis and davis riley those guys like always jump out to me as golfers that should play well on big major style golf courses uh even though they have very little in common other than five letters but uh how about if if you had to pick john rom or scotty scheffler to win this thing who would it be uh, Scotty, which feels weird, but he's playing well in the, the Byron Nelson. Uh, he might win this tournament by the time we end up finishing, uh, yeah, for context, this. it's Friday morning in <laughs> Seattle right now. And Scotty Scheffler is currently minus one eighty five to win, to yeah. win a PGA tour event, which he is not even finished his second round. He's two shots clear of the field. I mean, good Lord. He's playing good golf. People forget that he should have maybe should have won at Brookline last year, was also contending for a minute at St. Andrews. So he even, he even had a, a better major championship season than people remember. Um, I think he, if he's got his putter figured out, his, his long game is absolutely there. So stay tuned on Scotty. If the putter's there, hammer, hammer that bet couple guys with pressure on Max Homa and Patrick Cantlay. Um, I, I just think based on their stature in the game, based on the fact they're both top six players in the world rankings, it's time to see them really in the fire on Sunday at a major. They're your guys. They're your guys. Definitively your guys. And so I'm going to put pressure on you if they continue to, to not show up. <laughs> Xander, Xander is a shared guy of ours. Um, Former Scotty, Scotty definitely, guest. I guess Scotty would probably be a shared guy. Um, but look, if we're going to, if we're going to draw a line down the middle and say, this guy's for Dylan and this guy's for Sean, Cantley, Homa, 
McElroy, all trending in your side. Because I, I think I'm. They a, need to answer the bell. You're I'm sort of a repeated Rory defender and you're believer, a sympathizer, and, and apologist. Has that, that has not. That is not super paid off. No. The only times that Rory has not the only times, but Rory won. The, he won the day I got the day after I got married. He won that week, and then we went on a honeymoon a year later, and he won again the CJ Cup. That's like what he wins. That's what I'm not even mm. sort of aware of what's going on in the golf world. So, yeah. So yeah. why don't you take yeah. one of these major weeks off, you and Emily, book a flight to. I'm gonna steer clear uh, of Aruba this week. You know, if he if he's gonna he's gonna succeed or fail without any outside influence from me. How about that? All right. Um. What else do you have to say, Sean? You all out? Uh, I'm I'm all out. I I just I guess I'm having a hard time getting pumped up for this major, and I can um, sense that. Well, I I think that the importance of that is that majors can really get you going based off of where they are held, and I have a hard time getting super hyped up for Oak Hill. And that yeah. might be on me. That might be on me. It might be on some of the hype train leading into this. It might be the fact that the last two people who won here were Jason Duffer and Sean McKeel. Uh, because when you go to the Open later this summer, Royal Liverpool, the last two major winners there, Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. So uh, <laughs> sometimes the PGA of America has played favorites in the past. And uh, I'm just curious if this one will remain a favorite. Like I said earlier, like the climate doesn't exactly uh, allow for a lot of championship May golf there. And I could just, I could see this being uh, the beginning of a quieter end for Oak Hill in terms of hosting the big boys. I hope that, yeah, I mean, I, and I know you will, but I think if you keep an open mind, my hope is that the the hype train, that you'll kind of board the hype train as the tournament actually gets closer. I mean, there's going to be a lot of advanced coverage, once you hear Scott Van Pelt's voice on the broadcast, once you see, you know, once you see golf balls getting dropped in the rough at the event, maybe you're going to start to get that major championship excitement bubbling up. But I don't know. No, no pressure. No pressure from me. I'm not hosting this. This, tournament. Is a, this is a prove it week. Maybe that's the answer, Dylan. We've been trying to figure out uh, who has the most at stake. Maybe Oak Hill has a lot at stake. How about that? Yeah. Oak Hill does. I think that's a good call. Oak Hill is a real opportunity to step up. And sh and uh, I think as Southern Hills did last year, it's tough because last year there were such good venues. Like I think Southern Hills was still probably the fourth best venue. Well, I guess you could make an argument about how St. Andrews showed, but um, you're looking at me askance. There were people were playing six and a half hour rounds. That was it. It was it was not a perfect major championship. Don't blame the golf course for the slow ass golfers. I guess that's another reason Patrick Cantlay has something to prove this week. Is I feel like he did not come out of the Masters in the good graces of the golf watching populace, and so maybe this is an opportunity with Joe Lacava on the bag to prove something. Um. All right, Sean, I'm excited. I'm going to the land of Kodak. I'm um, going to get a garbage plate. We'll send photos. 
and uh, gonna try to make some fun videos, some fun articles from on site, and you will be providing some excellent color commentary from home. So I'm looking forward to it. Alrighty, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.